0: We just read from Leviticus 23. Um, It talks about the four species. There are four different kinds of plants that have a symbolic significance during the holiday of Sukkot. Again, from Leviticus chapter 23, beginning at verse 39. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So the four species. First we have the etrog. I'm actually going to pass this around because this one actually has a little bit of a smell to it. Last year, I think we had no, nothing to smell. But the etrog, it's a lemon-like citrus fruit. It's not a lemon. It's a citron. And it's referred to as pre-ets-hadar. Pre, it's the fruit of beautiful trees. And it's minimally the size of a hen's egg. But it can be larger. An etrog with an intact pitum or stem, is considerably especially valuable. So we have a very valuable one. And because of the shape of the etrog, it's said that it symbolize the heart. The sages said that the word etrog is an acronym for faith, repentance, healing, and redemption. The lulav, which is the centerpiece here, the palm frond, it's a green date palm frond, which are the branches of the palm trees, and the lulav must be sturdy and straight, because we're going to be shaking it, and with whole leaves that lay closely together, not broken off at the top. So we see we have an appropriate lulav. It is approved by the rabbis. So if the etrog represents the heart, The lulav is said to represent the spine or the backbone. You notice that the word lulav can be broken down as thus, to him a heart. So a person who loves the Lord, bechol levavcha, with all his heart, will be given a spiritual backbone. That means you have real conviction and strength in the Lord. Now, the term lulav Even though it refers to the palm, it actually refers to the combination of all of these put together. And they're used in the ceremonial waving. In a little while, I'm going to ask Norm to actually do the uh, waving and shaking. That's what you get when you sit up front. The hadas, which are the myrtle branches, the boughs of leafy trees, the leaves of the hadas grow in tiers of three each. And we're not going to pass it around right now, but you can come look at it afterwards and look at the Lulav set. And you may be able to guess, if you look at the shape of it, what it represents. It represents the eyes because of the shape of it. And so the sages associated them with the seeing and with vision. The Arava, which is the branch of a willow tree, Those branches grow long and are are lined with long, narrow leaves, as you can see. vote needs a lot of water or they dry out. Also, this particular branch here, the aravot, is actually used for a separate ceremony that we won't be doing here uh, on Roshana Rabbah, which is the last day of Sukkot. That's the one where you beat the branches on the ground until... The leaves fall out. And that ceremony is called the beating of the willows and it's intended to symbolize the ultimate victory over our enemies. So Bhatia and I may be doing that ourselves on the last day of Sukkot. Now Sukkot is a time of year when the world is judged regarding the amount of rain that falls for the entire year. I guess you could say in California we really need to be concerned that We're being judged pretty harshly right now. So when we take the four species together, we symbolically express our prayers for rain. In other words, blessing for water. Now, typically at Sukkot, there's a prayer for rain. I have, even though we're going to be at the campgrounds next week, I have included the rain blessing tonight. So, be what may, we need the rain. Okay, at this time, Batya, if you would lead us in lighting the candles. This to observe and keep this day. Not only that, Sukkot is so important that we read in Zechariah chapter 14. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations that came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, On them, there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not go up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. So severe is the penalty that he will strike the nation. He refers, Zechariah calls it a a plague, a plague of drought. No water. Now thinking back to the four species, the etrog needs more water than any other fruit tree. The palm branches grow in valleys which are well watered. The myrtles and willows, they also grow near water. When we wave the four species in all directions, we symbolically declare to God, just as these four species cannot exist without water, neither can the world exist without water. That's our declaration. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain Of living waters and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You may recall Yeshua speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Not too long after that episode, he says to his disciples, when he says, I'm going away, he tells them in chapter 7, on the last day, the great day of the feast, what feast was this? It was the feast of Sukkot. Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So what's the important of us praying for rain? What's the important of, of us keeping this feast? Even till the last days? Because it's going to keep us blessed with water. Water is life. Water sustains us. Much like the four species. Without water, we die. We need water especially what we just read, the living water, Yeshua. Now, spiritually speaking, Sukkot completes a picture or a story or an episode or process, however you want to refer to it. And if you were here yesterday, I mentioned this in the message, that after going from Elul 1 through Tishrei 10, concentrating on realizing our sins and then repenting of those sins, now it's time to rejoice, knowing that we have ultimately received God's forgiveness. Whether it was for an hour, 24 hours, 4 days, however long you lasted or will continue to last, you've been forgiven of your sins when you've gone through the process. And we talked about this too, that we know we don't have to wait for next Yom Kippur because we know we have Yeshua in our hearts. We can repent of those transgressions that we may have committed since Yom Kippur until now and still be forgiven. It's all a process. When the Israelites were led out of Egypt, God literally dwelt among his people. He tabernacled with them. You, You could say if it was proper terminology, he sukkoted with them. And he was with them while he's leading them out of slavery and into the promised land. From Exodus chapter 40, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. In verse 18, he says, So Moshe raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. Then down to verse 34, the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moshe was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. There was no guesswork on when it was time to advance. God showed them clearly when he lifted the cloud, it was time to go. When we celebrate Sukkot each year, we're reminded of God saving his people, God delivering his people, God dwelling among his people. Now, even though Sukkot is referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles, it really has nothing to do directly with the Mishkan, or the Tabernacle of the Wilderness. But building the Tabernacle has become a reminder of that Tabernacle, and how the children of Israel encamped around it, while they journeyed through the Wilderness. Every time God moved, they had to break camp, pack up everything, and follow the cloud. And then when it stopped, they set up camp again. Always surrounding the tabernacle. Symbolic of putting God at the very center of their lives. They surrounded the tabernacle. They stopped whenever God chose to stop. They didn't move again until God chose to move. By the way, Israel... It's the only nation that could say that the creator of the world lived among them. They lived continually in his presence. Whether they were on the move or not, they were in his presence. And we have a record of another time in history of the people of God when he dwelt among them in the person of Yeshua. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was Yohanan. But as many as received to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So yet again, here's another time when God dwelled with his people where God was in the very heart the center of his people just like he did in the wilderness God made his sukkah his tabernacle his dwelling among the people of his people the people of Israel so when we celebrate Sukkot we should have this understanding That God made his sukkah among us when Yeshua was alive. He did it in ancient days in the wilderness with his cloud, with his glory and dwelling in the tabernacle. But with Yeshua, he came back into being on the earth, living amongst his people. He became the salvation for everyone, delivering us from slavery to sin. Because we were slaves to sin. As Rav Shaul says in Romans chapter 6, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord. See, as Messianic believers, we have a different understanding than mainstream Judaism. Because we have the Messiah in our lives. We can see the comparison, we can see the parallel between what God did in the wilderness and what God did through Yeshua. We can see that he brought himself in to deliver us, to set us free through his sacrificial death. Now, a sukkah is a temporary dwelling. By nature, it's more of a hut. It's not really a a home that you can spend a lot of time in. We prayed for rain. Guess what? A sukkah is not weatherproof. Matter of fact, a properly built sukkah is going to be—you'll be able to see through the roof and see the stars, and that is what helps emphasize its temporary nature. When you look up and you see stars, you know that you're exposed to the elements. Instead of being comfortable in your home or here in the sanctuary, you look up. Nothing's going to get us wet in here. Double checking looking for sprinklers. Now, depending on weather conditions, some people will actually spend the night in their sukkah. People will use lattice for walls and roof to be able to make it more temporary. Because obviously, anytime you have lattice, wind, rain, dust, everything comes in. So it's definitely temporary. Now, some people even... And we will actually do that next week. We'll actually have their meal, get together, fellowship, sing, dance, and spend time in the Sukkah for a little while. The Sukkah, in some ways, represents how fragile we are as human beings, and it can cause us to appreciate more fully our homes. And our bodies. Something that's more permanent. During Sukkot, we read the Hillel Psalms. Psalm 113 through 118. From 118, verses 25 and 26, we read, Hoshiana, please, Adonai, save save now. We beseech you, Adonai, prosper us. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Adonai. We bless you from the house of Adonai. Where else do we hear that? We don't have to look too far. We look in Matthew chapter 21. The crowds going before him and those following him, shouting, saying, Hosianna to Ben David. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hoshiana in the highest. The Hebrew word Hosianna is sometimes anglicized as Hosanna. But it's an expression of worship. Hosanna or Hosanna to the son of David. But I like to think that the psalmist is actually more literally asking God to stretch out his hand of mercy and save. Save him. Save his people. Save all of us. Just like the Israelites, while they were in Egypt might have been crying out, Hoshiana, because they were under such oppression in Egypt. As Messianic believers, the celebration of Sukkot is not only about looking back into the past and see what God has done and see that God did deliver, as we read in this Passover story, brought us and delivered us out of Egypt. Because we're supposed to look at it as if we were personally delivered. But we look forward to the hope that we have in Yeshua. Knowing that he will come again. And he will again dwell among us. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. What we're celebrating this week is just the beginning. The beginning of something that we're going to be doing for eternity. As we just read in Zechariah, this is a feast That all nations will come to every year or they won't see the blessing of water. We need to celebrate this feast. We need to be in God's presence. We need to be in God's will so that we can reap the blessing. So we should celebrate with that knowledge. And with the hope of God actually dwelling among his people, among us. And in closing, when Yeshua was born, he was given the name Immanuel, which means God with us. When he ascended into heaven, he left the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us. His temple. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are God's holy temple on earth. So God is not dwelling in us through the Ruach. We need to go back a few steps, a few days, and and start over with the repentance. And make sure we're right. And make sure that the Ruach is dwelling in us. Because one day, we're going to all see God. In all of his glory, the very Shekhinah of God is going to come down. And we will see him. And not die. Now that is a day of rejoicing. I look forward to that day. And that's the hope that we have, especially as Messianic believers, for our future. But even for the future of all mankind. So again, one person at a time. We need to reach out. We need to reach out and find the lost. Tell the lost what we know. Remind some That knew and kind of drifted away. For whatever reason, I've heard many stories, and many of you probably have too, of why people are no longer walking with the Lord. But there are all those people. One very near and dear to myself, my own brother, who became a believer at age 17 and now is further from the Lord than I was when he became a believer at age 17. He won't tell me why. I don't know why. He won't listen to me, but I pray that there will be someone he will listen to. And I pray there will be somebody that will listen to me and to you and to you and to you. I pray that we'll reach the lost. I pray that all will come and will celebrate the Feast of Sukkot, bringing honor to God and bringing joy to themselves. Lord, we do bless you once again for this Feast of Sukkot. We pray that you would direct us, direct our hearts, direct our minds towards, to someone that we can reach out to, to share with as we go forward in rejoicing. When people start asking, what are you so happy about? Let us boldly tell them it's because of your redemption, because of what you've done for me and for others. And I pray that you would open up their minds and their hearts to receive and to understand, just like we've come to understand, that you love us unconditionally, something we can't even do. But we pray, Lord, that you would increase our love for you so much that we'll love unconditionally like you do. And we won't condemn people, but we will tell them about your goodness. We will share with them from your word and from our testimonies. Let us be bold for you, Lord. Let us go forth as beacons of light like we should be. Let us be light to the dark world. The light shine and the darkness couldn't comprehend it. Let our light so shine that the darkness will be driven away and people will see you. People will understand you and they will want to know more about you. Help us, Lord, to be good ambassadors for you. Deliver us from the fears. Deliver us from those, those thoughts, well, I, I can't do that. Lord, let us all understand we can all do that. We can all go out and be ambassadors for you and win the lost of this world to your righteousness. Thank you, Lord. In Yeshua's name, amen.